gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week's college football bowl talk show and our NFL football games as we head into the final three weeks of the season. And with it, the college football bowl pairings have been announced. We know exactly who will be playing, what days and what games And topping it all off is obviously the college football playoff, the top four teams, the top four seeded teams that we'll be talking a little bit about on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to welcome our co-host in, Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, I hope you had a good week last week and a good week this week coming up ahead. Thank you. Thank you uh, very much, Mark. Very nice weekend uh, for us. Our only college football over-under play was over uh, down here in the Conference USA Championship The Owls of Florida Atlantic did all the heavy lifting as their game against UAB did go over the total. Uh, Finished the season 15-7. and College football over-unders were pleased with the 68% winning percentage. Turned around on Sunday. Five-star NFL game of the month was victorious as well with the Oakland Raiders and the Tennessee Titans over the total. So we're definitely pleased by our weekend results. And not only that, you know, down here in South Florida, Mark, we're getting a little bit excited about an NBA basketball team that's now 18-6 and six on the season. And, in fact, the Miami Heat now are 11-0 and 0 at home with that thrilling overtime win last night against the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, it's really nice to see, Victor. In fact, in our playbook newsletter this week, it's our first combination football-basketball newsletter. And we did write up the Miami Heat as one of the games that we featured in the newsletter this week. And it's really refreshing to see this basketball team because they are a totally selfless basketball team. There is nobody uh, on the team that wants to ball, that needs to be a star, that needs their ego padded. I'm talking even from Jimmy Butler on down. Jimmy Butler... As we've since come to learn after coming signing his contract and coming down here to Miami, is a ter- not only a terrific basketball player but a, a, a totally humble basketball player as well. I, I read yeah. some stories about him where I mean he gets up at three thirty in the morning to prepare his daily workout. Are you kidding me? I mean he's just dedicated and focused, uh, and they're all rallying around him right now. It's really really refreshing to see Eric Spolstra in the running right now. I mean, it's awfully early, but in the running right now for a possible NBA coach of the year talk in those honors and talking about the football show at hand. We've got on tap this week, as I opened up and alluded to that the college football bowl pairings have been set with that. The college football bowl stat report is being worked on. As we're talking about this, it will be available Monday this Monday, you want to mark that down in your calendar, December 16th, anytime after 7 p.m. Eastern, to put your hands on a copy of the College Football Bowl Stat Report, a really popular publication uh, because it's, one, loaded with content and information, and two, it's done really, really well the past couple of years as far as isolating sides and whatnot. And with that, Victor, let's open up what we learned last week in the world of college football with regard, if we will, to these bowl games that are coming up and 
Uh, we do have the top four final four playoff or playoff teams that made it, and no surprise to anybody after last week's given results. But I think all in all, the bottom line here is this might well indeed be the best final four pairing that we've seen in the short history of the college football playoffs. And uh, we can talk about all these great numbers that each team brings to the table, and they bring plenty of them. But uh, one ironic thing that I noted, Victor, when I was pouring over the stats, some of the stats from the bowl stat report, is that there were only four teams in college football this year that won the yards or won the stats in every football game they played. And all four of those guys just happened to be this year's group of the final four playoff teams. They murdered everybody in the stats, in the scores, and so forth and whatnot. So uh, I think it was a no-brainer to, fight, to come up with this final four. That Obviously, the question at hand is for the, all the talking heads, was it LSU deserved to be number one or should Ohio State have been the number one team? My opinion not because I'm from Ohio or you're from Ohio, Victor, is that I think the Buckeyes got jobbed a little bit. Uh, I don't think they did anything that, that was undeserving to fall out of the graces of the number one seed. Uh, if you take a look at their body of work, uh, it really rather outshines LSUs from the standpoint of margins of victory, defense, who they played. And the one ironic stat is that of all the final four teams, only Ohio State is the only one of the four that did not go up against an FCS opponent. They didn't pad their stats right. against the light against the lightweights. You know everything they did, they earned. So, uh, but we'll see. It could be also be a blessing because, as you know, Victor, no number one seed in the college football playoff has ever won the playoff. So, <clears throat> it could ultimately end up being a blessing. Having to play Clemson out of the gate, people say, might not be all of what Ohio State wanted, but you know something? If you're going to win the cheese, at some point in time, you're going to have to play go up against the best. And while some people feel Clemson may be the best, it's what Ohio State is all about. I think they're going to have a big chip on their shoulder going into that football game. But that's my early initial take as we're getting into preparation for the bowl games with that college football bowl stat report. Victor, your take on what you learned about the college football playoff and the bowl games that are coming up around the corner. Well, it's that uh, it's that first round, that semifinal round of the college football playoffs that have been largely duds, but this year looks poised to be different. And uh, I would definitely agree with you that on paper we probably have the strongest in the six-year history: three absolute powerhouses, one maybe slightly wobbly team, but nevertheless in Oklahoma, possesses the firepower to, to potentially keep things uh, interesting. Definitely the best collection of offenses that we've seen in the playoff. For the first time, all four teams rank in the top five nationally in scoring. And the uh, defenses aren't too shabby either. The national rankings in scoring defense, Clemson 1, Ohio State 3, LSU 27, and Oklahoma 49. That may not uh, seem great for the Sooners, but it is a massive upgrade, actually, over their last two most recent playoff teams, which were ranked uh, 68th and 101. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, we definitely have the offensive firepower. It's no surprise that the highest over-under line in the bowls is indeed in that uh, semifinal game, the Fiesta Bowl, with the Oklahoma-LSU game at around uh, 76 points. But my first three impressions that I got, Mark, from working on the bowl stat publication yesterday on Tuesday. The first one, uh, I didn't come across myself. It was actually Gary here in the office 
who came across it and mentioned it to Mark Jr. and myself. And it was very interesting when looking at Ohio State's non-conference schedule, the fact that their three non-conference games on paper don't look earth-shattering, Florida, Atlantic, Cincinnati, and Miami of Ohio. However, Ohio State, in those three non-conference games, faced opponents that actually ended up playing in their conference championship games. All three of those Florida Atlantic played UAB in their conference USA championship last week. Cincinnati played Memphis in the uh, uh, AAC conference championship last week. And Miami of Ohio played Central Michigan in the MAC conference championship. So it may not look great on paper, but Ohio State was the only team that played three non-conference games against teams that made it to their championship game. Interesting, nevertheless. Uh, one more thing that jumped out is the fact that the Big 12 Conference will be an underdog in all six of their bowl games this season, and that's been their best role. In fact, uh, over the last uh, three seasons now, the Big 12 Conference has hit at 14-7 and seven against the spread, uh, 67%. Do they do particularly well as dogs? And all six of them are dogs in the bowl games this season. And finally, here's something that really jumped out at me. You know, when I'm checking out the conference oh, trends in the bowl games and I see, oh, this conference is possible, profitable, this conference is profitable, this conference is profitable, how can that all be? Well, I got down to the bottom of the alphabet, and it's the Pac-12 conference that has really, I mean, really struggled as of late. In the last three years, the Pac-12 conference has had 22 bowl games, and guess what their ATS mark is in those games? Two ATS wins. 20 ATS losses in the last three years. The Pac-12 has gone two and 20 in the bowls. Yeah, that's amazing, Victor. We had uh, hit on that throughout the course of last year's bowl games when we began to change their name in our database from the Pac-12 to the Pathetic 12, because that's what they have obviously become in bowl games. And it was beginning to look like they were turning their season around this year. In the very beginning, it looked like there might be some legitimacy coming out of the Pac-12 this football season. And it might well have ended up being that had Oregon not taken Utah out in the Pac-12 championship game. We would be indeed talking likely about Utah being one of the final four teams here. But we have to take all of that with a grain of salt, given that that 2-20 and ATS spread record in bowl games. That's absolutely incredible. In fact, I will tell you this, Victor, that's probably the leading candidate to appear in our incredible bowl stat issue for the incredible bowl stat. That's got to be a stat that I don't think we're going to come across anything much, much uh, more eye-opening than something like that. Uh, One other quick note that I have in the bowl games here, Victor, before we we move over to the NFL side of things, and next week is going to be the start of our big college bowl bonanza show here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, and we're going to get knee-deep into these college football bowl games starting with next week's show, but... Uh, between now and then, as we put this college bowl stat report together, uh, my vote for the group of five, the best group of five bowl games that we have this year. Uh, yes, we do have Memphis playing in the in the uh, New Year's Six matchups, um, and they had a great year. They're going to be without their head coach, Mike Norvell, who's leading for Florida State. But on paper, if you take a look at the uh, two bowl games that stand out to me from group of five matchups, number one, down here in South Florida, the Boca Raton Bowl, which has not ever been much of anything, will be something this year 
just given the fact that there are two 10-win teams playing in the Boca Raton Bowl this year. One of them, the home-standing host, Florida Atlantic Owls, are going to take on SMU, and both of these teams were 10-win teams this year. That should be uh, noteworthy, at least to tune in and watch that football game. That could be highly competitive. And the other, I think, that deserves a nod or a notion is the Las Vegas Bowl in Las Vegas, where the Washington Huskies, who had a deeply disappointing season this year, and then were met with total surprise when head coach Chris Peterson announced his resignation, uh, You know, basically saying that he needed time to step away from the game itself and devote his life to what was important to him. And that was his family. Uh, And he wants to get that all back together in order for himself. And I applaud him for doing something just like that. Uh, He made a statement here, Victor, and I'm going to repeat this because I think it's a heck of a statement that comes out of Chris Peterson. And he said that a man has two lives to live. The second one begins when he realizes he only has one. And that's exactly where Chris Peterson comes from in this resignation to turn his life back around to his family rather than being uh, balled and chained to his football job. So kudos to him, tip of the hat to him yeah. on re- realizing it and making that particular decision. Uh, the other part, as I started on this uh, to digress a little bit about, was this Las Vegas Bowl itself. Well, this will be a matchup of Chris Peterson against his former team, Boise State, who he was 92-12 and 12 with in his career over there. So there will be a lot of hype in this bowl game. Chris Peterson against the Boise State Broncos here, and that will also, I think, be watch, end up being must-watch TV. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, Victor, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things. And I'm going to start out with you and ask you what it is you learned about the National Football League from the games last week. Uh, Some interesting things. One of the reasons that uh, we ended up using Oakland and Tennessee over as our five-star game of the month was what Ryan Tannehill has obviously done in his seven starts now for the Tennessee Titans, they've scored offensive TDs. The amount of offensive TDs they've scored in his seven starts, three, 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 four, six, three, and five last week against the Oakland Raiders. That's an average of 3.9 offensive TDs. And for comparison purposes, the best team in the NFL the Baltimore Ravens is averaging only 3.6 offensive wow. TDs per game. So Ryan Tannehill has done better than the Baltimore Ravens in his seven starts. Not to mention the Raiders defense now is allowing a league worst 3.3 offensive touchdowns per game for the season. And again, for comparison purposes, the Dolphins are just behind at 3.2 per game. So, uh, the timing was right. It was a perfect storm for Oakland, Tennessee over. We got it there with 63 points. That's what I uh, naturally took from uh, uh, the Sunday's action and all that. Uh, but for, as far as the dogs go, it was a middle-of-the-road week for underdogs in the NFL, 7-8-1 and one ATS. They're now at 106-92 and 92 on the season. It's been the road dogs. The teams on the road that have been the most popular at 74, 51, and 4. And we still got a decent system to hang our hat on, and that's 32-14 this year in the NFL. That's against the spread for all road dogs taking on any opponent off a straight-up loss in their last game. It applies to three road dogs this week, Miami on the road against the Giants, 
Jacksonville on the road against the Raiders, Indianapolis Monday night on the road against New Orleans. But again, a middle of the road week for dogs, but nevertheless still a very profitable season in the NFL. Well, Victor, could I make an assumption that, uh, forget Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill for NFL MVP this year? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> He's outperforming Lamar Jackson in the Baltimore Ravens. It's a tip of the hat to Ryan Tannehill, who always did a yeoman's job down here in Florida. The, the pressure was that uh, he didn't win enough to satisfy everybody who still expects every quarterback to play for the Miami Dolphins to be the next coming of Dan Marino. That's just simply not going to happen. But a tip of the hat to the great job that Tannehill has done with Tennessee since he's taken over that program. One note of caution I'm going to throw out to the Tennessee Titans this particular weekend is the fact that while they've been on this nice run, they've won and covered the last four games in a row, they've allowed season-high yards in two of those four football games, so they better tighten up that defense if they want to continue on this on their winning ways. One other note that I noticed from last week, Victor, in the National Football League is the Cleveland Browns are up to their old self again once at this time of the year. Not only did we find... Odell Beckham spouting out about the fact that he wants to be traded. Surprise. I mean, that's how he landed to Cleveland in the first place. Uh, but also Baker Mayfield opens his yap and starts denouncing and putting down the medical training staff of the Cleveland Browns. What a total chaotic mess is going on in Cleveland these days. And, uh, uh, we were sort of forewarned with it at the beginning of the season just because of the makeup of the roster with all these this talented uh, people that they've had who has never, ever played together or never, ever won football games together. And we're seeing a culmination of that here coming around with the Cleveland Browns this year. Yes, the Browns can win out their last four football games and end the season at 9-7. and seven. It would give them their first winning record since 2007. But I don't look for that to happen. I just There's just too much going on with regard to the Cleveland Browns, the personnel, the players, the head coaching and everything and so forth and whatnot. I think when, it's, uh, when the season's over, they're going to put a big RIP next to the Cleveland Browns and make their focus next football season rather than what it was this year. Uh, making the playoffs, like I say, a 4% chance to do that. I don't believe they're going to do that. And speaking about the playoffs... If they were to begin this weekend, the number one seeds would be Baltimore and San Francisco from each conference. Number two, New England and Green Bay. The Green Bay Packers have worked their way up to the number two seed in the NFC. Number three seeds, Kansas City and New Orleans. Number four, the Houston Texans and the Dallas Cowboys, who somehow still managed to hold down a seat because they live in the pathetic NFC East division. Number five seeds, Buffalo and Seattle. And number six, Pittsburgh and Minnesota with both Tennessee and the Rams knocking on the door at number seven and Cleveland and Chicago at number eight. And before I hand it back to you, Victor, for one other final thought here, one of our good friends, Jeff Kabasiak from Canada, sent us an email and wanted to know about what our thoughts were on last home games in the National Football League as we're getting it to be that time of the season for last home games. And was there anything in particular that we should be watching for? So I ran that through the database, and I come up with some pretty interesting numbers, if you will, uh, teams playing their last home game of the season. Dogs are 190 and 170 with nine pushes combined. That's a pretty strong number for 369 results. Uh, home dogs in their last home game of the season appear to be a right side of the football game. And when they're taking on a 500 or better opponent that comes in with a winning record, they're 54, 38, and two. Against that same opponent with the bidding record, these home dogs when they're coming off a straight-up favorite loss, they've gone 19-6 and six against the spread. 
And also that same team that five taking on a 500 or better opponent home dog in their last home game, when they're coming off a division game, they're 30 and 10 against the spread. So keep those numbers handy because we're going to be getting into last home games coming up right around the corner here in the National Football League. And Victor, before we go over to our rant of the week, any other things or thoughts you might have about what you saw last week or what you what you're thinking about this week in the NFL? No, I, I, one more comment in regards to the, your Cleveland Browns segment is say we're always searching out there for the naturally the uh, next best thing in terms of head coach for Cleveland, and I would submit to you I think a guy who would make a pretty good fit there in Cleveland would be what about. Mike McCarthy, ex-head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And I mentioned him because, A, he does have a prior existing relationship with uh, John Dorsey, right? Didn't John Dorsey, wasn't he with the Green Bay Packers as a director of college scouting, director of player personnel, director of football operations? So you do already have a pre-existing relationship between the two. Not to mention back in January when the Browns officially named Freddie Kitchens, the head coach, McMarth- uh, McCarthy was in the running for the, the you know, uh, he, he was in the down of the final three players. So I submit to you that, I, you know, I wouldn't mind see him being the head coach of Cleveland moving forward. I'll throw one more name out there, Victor, before we can move on to the rant. And uh, I might think that Cleveland might make a move for somebody who lives in their neighborhood, who's born and raised in Northeast Ohio, who's had tremendous success as a head coach and is available. Uh, he's got a, a for rent sign hanging up in his house right now, <laughs> and that might be Urban Meyer, the ex-Ohio State head coach, and you know wow. the city would totally wrap their arms around him, and Urban Meyer would like to head, be a head coach in Northeast Ohio. If the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones don't swoop down on him, look for the Cleveland Browns to perhaps make the push for him as well. With that, let's move over to our rant of the week, and we've got a pretty good one on tap this week. Uh, Jeff, if you do the honors. And now, this week's rant from Mark and Victor. You know, Victor and I were talking before the show about what we're going to get on for our rant, and, uh, you know, usually the rants we give some free thought to and uh, try and drum something up, but we didn't have to drum anything up. They just, this one fell right into our lap this week. And I'm going to be talking about a team that, uh, Kind of put this in perspective. It, it's like if you have a driver's license and you've got a lot of points in your driver's license for all these violations that you've accrued and you're speeding around town and they suddenly pull you over. Uh, what are you thinking? I mean, my goodness, you, you, you've been caught before. You've had this. You've known for these violations. You're, you're riding around recklessly. And what do you do? You end up getting pulled over again. What do we have in the National Football League? We have the New England Patriots driving around recklessly once again, videotaping opponents' practices and opponents on their sidelines. Here we go again. Spygate 2 is in the offing right now for the New England Patriots. You can say what you want about Bill Belichick, you know, and maybe he's believable that he wasn't, isn't aware of what's going on. Uh, you can believe all the hype and the garbage and the BS that's coming out of that camp, but it is just that. It's total BS. The New England Patriots are indeed world champions, six-time world champions, and they deserve all their kudos. But they're cheaters. They've been caught before in the past cheating. They're likely cheating here again, and they're probably doing it because they don't have as much bullets or as much ammunition about this team that they've had in years past. Tom Brady just doesn't have a core of wide receivers. The offensive line is getting old and shaky. 
And New England, even though they got off to this terrific start this football season, you know, I know, we talked about it. They put all those great numbers up against Sisters of the Poor. Now they're into the second half of the football season where they're taking on good quality football teams and they're getting beat up badly. Uh, you got a football team that's not only lost two in a row, they've lost three of their last five games straight up and in the stats. So uh, obviously they're needing to do something. And what are they going to do? They're going to resort to getting the old video cams out again and drive recklessly through the National Football League. And I think it's time for Roger Goodell to put his foot down big time on this football program here and do something that's noteworthy here. If you can suspend players like Miles Garrett, who lost his cool for a short, brief moment, and suspend him without pay for a half of a football season, you have to be serious about cheating in the National Football League. You've done it once before. It's in your MO. It's in your DNA, and you're doing it again. Come on, Roger. Step up and do the right thing. Victor, that's my take and a rant on the New England Patriots. I don't know if you want to chip in, comment, or get off the subject, but uh, I had to get that off my chest. I would agree with you 100%. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, back in 2007, Belichick was fined 500000 and they were docked a first-round pick in the 2008 draft uh, after, of course, a team employee was caught recording unauthorized footage of the Packers and the Jets. So we'll see what happens. Do they care about the money? Hell no. But, man, they care about losing draft picks. That is for sure. So let's crack down NFL. Let's you know, do what you got to do and go from there. But uh, you're right. This was set on a plate right in front of us. They lobbed us a softball. And uh, <laughs> thanks again for a great fodder for this week's rant of the week, uh, Belichick of the Patriots. Yeah, we took the layup, Victor. It was there. We went right to the hoop, and we took it, <laughs> deservedly so. Hey, guys, don't go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to put move on to our college football game of the week. It's our annual Army-Navy football clash. We're going to tear that game down in depth. But that and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards, and it's time for our college football game of the week. And given the fact there's only one college football playing game playing this week, we're going to zero in on the Army-Navy classic rivalry matchup taking place this week in Lincoln Field in Philadelphia. Victor, how do you see these two military teams shaping up from an over-under perspective? Well, you know, previous listeners of the podcast, and I talk about previous seasons, know which way we're pointing. They know which direction we're going. They know which way we bet this game when the opening line originally came out, and that's on the under. Uh, Army, Navy, hey, all armed forces games, we always look to go under the total. They don't like rubbing it in against their brothers. And that's when Army plays Navy, when Navy plays Air Force, when Army plays Air Force. But... 
In this year's edition, the over-under line opened at 44. And again, Mark, I'm hoping that uh, podcasters already bet it at that opening number like I did because the value has been sucked out of it. It's down to 40 to 40 and a half. It's already gone down a full four points. Why the reason for that big line move? Well, there's two obvious reasons. Number one, this series has been so low scoring as it is when two military teams play each other. Number two, the weather forecast doesn't look very good there at uh, uh, Financial Field in Philadelphia, and that's what concerns me a little bit. 70% chance of rain, 8 to 12 mile per hour winds. Not to mention, Mark, that they just played a game here on Monday Night Football. The Eagles played the Giants on this field at Monday Night Football, so no wonder the over-under line has gone down four points. They wonder what sort of condition the field will be in when these two teams play on the very same surface this coming Saturday. On the season, Army 5-5-1 five, five over-under. They've gone over the total by an average of plus 2.7 points per game. Navy's been a pretty good over-team this year, 7-4. and four. Uh, Average line, 54.8. Average score, 63.4. The average midshipman game has gone over the total by plus 8.6 points per game. In terms of uh, streaking, Army started the year 2-5-1 over-under in their first eight games. They have concluded the regular season with overs in three of their last four games and by an average margin of plus 7.7 points per game. Uh, Navy closed the season on a, on a nice 4-1 and over-under run, and that included 97 total points in their game against Houston two weeks ago. So, uh, again, the Navy, a good overseason, trending over as of late. So, obviously, that would put a little bit of a caution sign in front of you. Again, we can talk about this series all we want. Uh, 14 out of the last 16 have gone under. Each of the last 10 meetings have gone under. Average line, 48.8. Average score, 34.4. The average game has gone under by 14.4 points per game. Hey, remember the good old days in this series? When you could find an over-under line in the <laughs> low to mid-50s and then bet the under and feel confident that you were going to win the game, so much for that. In the last five years, the over-under line in this series has gone from 55 to 50 to 46.5 to 44.5 to 38.5 last year. That's right. This year's line of 40 to 40.5, it's not the lowest. Last year's was actually 38.8. Uh, 38 and a half, excuse me, final score, 17 to 10. It still went under by double digits despite that low line last year. Again, I'm hoping that you join us at the opening line of 44. It's the under or nothing in this particular game. You may want to consider perhaps a dog in the under teaser. There's not a lot of value left at the current line. But again, uh, for the people who have listened to the show in previous years, I'm assuming they made their move in this game when the line first came out just a few days ago. Victor looks to the under once again in this football game, the value being stripped out each and every year. It's sort of like global warming where <laughs> the temperatures are getting warmer and warmer and the over-under totals in the series are getting lower and lower. But pay attention to the totals in this football game, as he mentions here. Uh, 14 of the last 16 games have gone under that total in this Army-Navy Classic, and it is a classic indeed. In fact, we call this out in this week's Midweek Alert football newsletter here. 
uh, writing this game up a little bit more in depth and detail. And I got to say this, if you don't get goosebumps watching the flyovers and the parachute teams and watching the cadets and the brigade standing all throughout the football game, there's no blood flowing through your veins. There's nothing better than watching an Army-Navy football game that's just absolutely loaded with tradition. And we've got exactly just that here in this football game. Army will not be going bowling this football season here after having ripped up uh, the military commander-in-chief games here in the past. Uh, they had won 21 games the previous two years, 29 the last three years running here, before they hit a bump in the road this football season here. Army was involved in five one-possession games this year, and unfortunately they lost four of those football games on the scoreboard, thus contributing to their sub-500 football season here. They've got a head coach, Jeff Monken, who really does step up to the plate when playing good quality opponents. 12-2 and two to the spread in his career is Jeff Monken against 750 or better opponents. And you've also got a side in the series that the underdog has cashed five straight games in a row. Taking a look at the Navy side of the football game here, uh, their surgeons this year was not surprising to us here at Playbook. They were labeled as a mission team this year. And basically what a mission team is, is a football team that after having gone bowling each of the previous three football seasons, suddenly suffers a losing season. Then they become really focused to get back on track to where they were before, especially in revenge-type football games. Navy has done just that. They've answered the call in this mission season for themselves. They have played in two one-possession games this year, and they won both of those football games. And what you've also got here uh, inside this series is a Navy football team going through the history in the annals. We came across this, that they have played 11 games. These two football teams have at Lincoln financial field in Philadelphia and Navy has won 10 of those 11 games. So they like playing in the city of brotherly love do the midshipmen from Navy. The bottom line to me though, is the fact that not only is the series underdog been gold here, Jeff Monken great in this particular role, but, Yes, both teams can win the Commander-in-Chief Trophy Award in this football game. Navy, by defeating Army and having swept the board against Army and Air Force, Army can also win the Commander-in-Chief Award because if they take down Navy, all three of those military teams will finish one and one against each other in that round robin, and the tiebreaker becomes that it goes to the team who won it the previous year, which would be Army, which gives them incentive in this football game to come as hard as they can. Remember, Navy's got the bowl bid in their back pocket. Army, this will be their bowl game. And with that, I'm going to take the double digits with Army plus the points over Navy for my side in this big classic military rival game. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear apart a National Football League game of the week. We've got a beauty in the NFC. And we'll hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco at The Logical Approach in Las Vegas. When we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach football newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. All new Playbooks tokens are here. 
Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread in this week's College and Pro Football Cards. It's time for our NFL Game of the Week, and we've got a beauty on tap in the black and blue division in the NFC Conference where the Chicago Bears invade the Green Bay Packers to take the Packers on at Lambeau Field. Victor, how do you see the Bears and the Packers shaking out this Sunday? Looks like a very cold day in Lambeau. I'm seeing temperatures, what, 10 to 15 degrees Probably no precipitation winds somewhere around 8 to 10 miles per hour. Over and line open at 41. It's come down to half a point as we are recording the podcast here on Wednesday morning. It is currently at 40 and a half points. And obviously, I'm sure you're going to have something to say about this, but the Packers are probably easily the weakest of the NFL's six 10-win teams uh, the defense is overrated after a really, really strong start to the season against poor offenses. They're ranked now 26th in opponents' yards per play. Of course, we know Chicago is a top 10 defense. On paper, it looks low scoring. Green Bay is averaging only 12.5 points per game in four matchups against top eight scoring defenses. They're giving up an average of only 11.8 points per game in four matchups against bottom eight scoring offenses. On the year, the Bears five and eight over under. Green Bay at six and seven over under. Hey, for Chicago, it's been low scoring whether home or away. 35.7 combined points per game at home, only 37 and a half on the road. Uh, for Green Bay, 46. points per game at home this season, 42 on the road, so slightly higher scoring in Lambeau. Green Bay's had a weird over-under pattern on the season, 0-2 over-under, first two games. Then in games 3 through 8, they went 5-1. That's five overs and only one under. But in their last four games, they've had only one over, four unders. I'm sorry, last five games, one and four for the Packers. Uh, The Bears... We're seeing signs that the offense has kind of woken up a little bit from what you would consider to be a probably a season-long slumber with each of their last two games going over the total offense improving to 27.5 points per game. In terms of the series, 8-4 and four over under in the last 12 meetings. However, the last two meetings have each gone under, including that opening day 10-3 to low-scoring victory for the Packers this season way back in the very, very first Thursday game. With that said, however, the last two games played at Lambeau have gone over the total at 48.0. I think there's a little bit of value on the over, especially considering the game could be a low-scoring outcome of 23-20 to 20 or 24-20 to 20 and still go over the total. Not to mention, Mark, I think the Bears may have cracked the code a little bit in terms of their offensive potential in the last few games. And that code is Chicago is a much better offense when they are running a quick 
tempo. We saw signs of that on Thanksgiving Day against Detroit. When they started running a hurry-up offense throughout the course of the entire game, and they increased their plays per game from their season-long average of only 60 to 68 or 69, well, you saw what happened in those last two games. So, again, I think they may have cracked the code a little bit with Trubisky and company. When they quicken the pace of play, their games tend to be a little higher scoring, which is why I think we do have a little bit of value on the over at the current line of 40 to 40 and a half. Victor leans a little bit of value to the over in this football game between 40 and 40 and a half in this contest between the Bears and the Packers on what might be a brisk day at Lambeau Field in Green Bay this Sunday. Coming into this football contest here, as we alluded to earlier on in the show, the Green Bay Packers are indeed the number two seed in the NFC coming into this contest, whereas the Chicago Bears are sitting at number eight on the outside looking in. Hence, this game becomes critically important to the Chicago Bears and their playoff chances if they wish to make the playoffs. In fact, this becomes next to a mandatory win for the Chicago Bears in that sense. Breaking these two teams down statistically from the midweek alert football newsletter, our statistical newsletter, what jumps off the page to me is this. Their defensive yards per rush between these two football teams is a full yard different in favor of the Chicago Bears. They're allowing 3.7 yards per carry. The Green Bay Packers are coughing up 4.7 yards per carry. That almost fits completely into the Green Bay Packers' way of winning games with smoke and mirrors this football season. As Victor alluded to, they are indeed the phoniest 10-win team in the National Football League this year. They've been outgained in eight of their 13 football games. Green Bay has been outstatted by 68 yards a game during the second half of the football season here thus far. Also, tearing it down from a trend point standpoint, you're looking at a Chicago Bear football team that in their last seven games, when both teams are coming off home games, the Bears are 7-0 and straight up in ATS. On the Green Bay Packer side of things, you're talking about a team that struggled in their final home game of the season when they're coming off a non-division game. Green Bay is only 1-6 against the spread in these particular football games. Chicago lost their season opener to Green Bay at Soldier Field in a hard-fought 10-3 loss, a game in which they out-yarded Green Bay and held the Packers to only 213 yards in that football contest. They played a really, really staunch defensive game, did the Chicago Bears, but all for naught because the offense did not wake up. That's been, obviously, the Achilles heel for the Chicago Bear football team. But I'm going to close it out with this. Mitchell Trubisky, as Victor alluded to, is coming on here of late. This football team has won three games in a row, and it's no coincidence that Mitchell Trubisky has had his best three games of the football season here. He's passed for over 230 yards in all three of those contests. But what jumps out to me is from our football newsletter this week, we allude to the fact that the Bears under Mitchell Trubisky, when they have a winning record in division games, the Chicago Bears are 5-0 and straight up and against the spread when taking on opponents with a winning record. That's the case here for the Chicago Bears. We're going to take the points with the Bears over the Packers for our side in this football game on Sunday. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe and find out exactly what's going on in Las Vegas during this hectic week as we head into the final three weeks of the National Football League season. 
And with the college football bowl pairings now in order, I'm going to ask Andy Isco to comment. Andy, first of all, welcome back to the show this week. Nice to have you on board. And with that thought in mind, is there a buzz going on about in Vegas with the college football bowl games set to be kicking off here shortly? Well, Mark, uh, good to be chatting with you. And yes, every time at this year, this is always my most exciting part of the football season because everybody that's going to be playing down to the rest of the way in these bowl games has winning records. They're looking to either cap off a, uh, a very surprisingly positive season or in many cases, a uh, bit of a disappointment, not going to where they expected to be. Of course, there are a lot of challenges in handicapping the college bowls. You have the usual situations with injuries cropping up, but more importantly these days, you have situations of players deciding to bypass participation in, in many of those minor bowl games and occasionally even some of the New Year's Day bowl games because of concerns about how uh, uh, situations or injuries could affect their pro uh, NFL potential. Uh, you've got coaching moves, etc. But the other beauty of this is we've got several weeks to break down and analyze each of these matchups, something we don't have the luxury with when we're on the week-to-week basis of the regular season. Andy, let me ask you this question before I get onto uh, our checklist of what we usually hit here on the show with you, uh, with our weekly Vegas Five. Uh, when it comes to handicapping college football bowl games, you know we have an array of uh, statistics that are available to us, a body of work from each team throughout the course of the football season here. And my question to you is this, is there is almost always an average of about a month off between the time a team played its last game until they play their bowl game. Do you feel that that month off either either affects, uh, uh, helps a football team or detracts from a football team in handicapping the games? Do we take these statistics with a grain of salt or do we take them for what they were throughout the course of the season? Well, Mark, I think we have to always take a look at the statistics as being indicative of the strengths and weaknesses of uh, what these teams have demonstrated throughout the course of the regular season. Now, having the additional time to prepare does give these teams that have uh, identified their weaknesses to work on perhaps shoring up those areas of the game. At the same time, it allows uh, opponents of each of these teams to prepare to attack with a little bit more opportunity to uh, analyze and break down on film, etc., what the statistics are tending to uh, reveal. Again, it's an, always an individual case with each individual matchup. Some matchups would tend to say that the rest is going to be a bigger factor uh, than the rust is going to be because teams that may have entered the, ended this regular season with a lot of injuries have time to get healthy. On the other side of the coin, teams that may rely a little bit more on timing for uh, their better execution may be hurt by the longer layoff and not going full speed against an opponent. Now, sometimes there are only about a week or two uh, of, of rest between the end of regular season play and these initial starting bowl games. But in the case of some of the teams that ended their season on Thanksgiving weekend and with several games now being played after January 1st and January 2nd, uh, there could be almost, if not over a month of time for these uh, teams to prepare. And I think that tends to work negatively, allows for more things to occur that would, in, would, that would negatively impact performance, whether it be injuries, suspensions, uh, grade, uh, grades coming in not up to par, etc. So uh, I enjoy the time because it does allow us the additional time to uh, break down the games. But there are hazards involved as well, additional challenges that you don't encounter during the regular season. Andy Isco visiting us from Las Vegas as we're talking about the upcoming college football bowl games. And if you haven't seen Andy's logical approach to football newsletter, put your hands 
a copy in your hands this week. Log on to the website at thelogicalapproach.com to download this week's football newsletter from Andy Isco from Las Vegas. And with that, Andy, we're getting down to the final three crunch weeks, if you will, as far as the major contests go in Las Vegas here. And uh, we're checking with you, as we always do here, for a quick update on the standings, the Super Bowl Classic. I know Tuco has been almost a wire-to-wire leader this football season here. Has Tuco fared off, uh, been able to uh, fare well and hold off the opposition, or are they closing down on him as we enter these final three weeks? I'm trying to draw that one up on the screen. I believe he is now uh, tied for the lead in the Super Contest Classic. There are two contestants of which he is one with a record of 47, 21, and 2. That's a total of 48 out of a possible 70 points, and that works out to a winning percentage of 68.6%, or uh, 68.6%, which is a bit lower than the winning uh, overall percentages we've seen the last few years where we've now become routinely accustomed, especially as the size of the fields have increased, uh, to having winning percentages in the uh, low, mid, and even occasionally in upper 70% winning it. So uh, Tuco, which... uh, uh, had been leading uh, throughout, and unfortunately, the computer's failing me right now, so I'll get back to that after I review the results of the uh, past week. Uh, the consensus plays last week in the Super Contest Gold uh, had a, a very successful week. Uh, they were 4-1 and one overall. The four winners were all on underdogs. Uh, the most popular choice being the uh, – excuse me, three of them were underdogs because the most popular choice was actually a pick'em game on the Rams. Uh, The second most popular choice uh, were the Cincinnati Bengals. Third most popular were the 49ers. And the fourth most popular choice this week uh, was the Kansas City Chiefs. So those were the four winners. Interestingly enough, the one loser was the opposite selection in one of these games, and that was the New Orleans Saints, which came as the fifth most popular selection. So uh, they offset the win that the 49ers uh, gave their backers. And for the season now, the consensus uh, above 536, 32-2. So that's showing a, a modest profit if you had started playing the selections of the consensus uh, in, uh, uh, in in week one. As far as favorites are concerned uh, for the year, they're still 19 games below 500, 44, 63, and 2 when the majority of the contestants in a specific game back the favorite side. Underdogs, uh, somewhat similar to the consensus and very slight winner, four games above 500, at least uh, not profitable, but a winning percentage, 47, 43, and 4. There have been three games that were pick The contestants won and two. That one win came this past week with the uh, Rams. Uh, two games were evenly split and overly, overall rather for the season, 92 correct, 108 incorrect, and there were six. There have been six pushes, and uh, that's uh, re- uh, and add in the uh, two uh, evenly split games. That accounts for the 208 games that have been uh, played so far this season. Getting back to those standings for a moment, Tuco is indeed uh, tied for second. He went three one and one uh, for first, rather two way tie for first. He went three one and one last week. He was caught by a contestant who went four. 0-1, enabling them both to be tied at 48% uh, at 48 points, rather, which, as I mentioned, 68.6%. Overall, 99 contestants are within uh, five points of the uh, uh, of the lead, and that would work out to 60.7%. 
Contest pays 100 places, so there are 38 contestants tied for that final paying spot of number 100. That works. Uh, they are exactly 42 points. That's exactly 60% uh, for those who are cashing, although I, you, know, you divide that last play, uh, paying position up 38 ways. It's uh, not going to pay very much. You're not going to get your money back, but you're still going to be able to claim that you con that you cashed in the contest. However, still three weeks remaining, so that situation can change. And as we normally see, fewer people are closer to the leader as or in the cashing position as we uh, wind up to wind down the season. In the Super Contest Gold, there is one leader right now with a record of 43-26-1. That's a total of 43.5 out of a possible 70 points. That's 62.1%, considerably less than the 68.6% being put up by the leader in the uh, Super Contest Classic. And in a matter of fact, there are 28, point, uh, 28 uh, entries within five points of the leader in the winner-take-all uh, Super Contest Gold. And 30, uh, 38 and a half would be uh, the point that gets you within five points of the lead, and that's below 60%. So uh, the Super Contest Gold uh, not doing as well as the uh, Super Contest Classic as far as the top positions are concerned. Uh, consensus in the Super Contest Classic, a very interesting uh, situation uh, in um, – in this contest had uh, the Patriots and Chiefs actually tied for the same number of, uh, uh, of, of uh, selections this week. But as far as the consensus went, uh, the consensus went it back the underdog this week. Uh, they were uh, two and two. One and oh, when backing a favorite one and oh, when pick them. Now that adds up to six. Uh, but uh, part of that was because two teams uh, tied for, um, one of the spots in there, two teams, and I, I don't have the exact uh, games here in front of me right now. But nonetheless, the Super Contest Gold has the leader at 43-26-1. Uh, looking at the Circuit Contest, which is the uh, new contest. I mean, excuse me, this is the one that I was going to point out about a game between the Chiefs. The consensus this week was 3-1. and one. Uh, There's only four selections there because the fifth most popular uh, game or, or selection was a tie between two contestants in the same game. And it happened to be the high profile game between the Patriots and the Chiefs where 406 contestants were on the Patriots minus three, 406 contestants were on the Chiefs plus three. So that actually goes into my records as an evenly split game. It does not affect the consensus. You could either say the consensus was three and one if you ignore that game or four and two if you include it as a winner and loser since there was a tie for that uh, fifth and final spot. Uh, I'm throwing that one out as far as the consensus play uh, as far as for the records go. So 30 Five, thirty-one, and three for the year as far as the consensus plays go. Favorites not doing very well. Forty-seven, fifty-six, and two when the favorite team is the preferred choice. Fifty-three, forty-two, and three for underdogs. So that uh, element has done extremely well uh, throughout the season at the Circa. Uh, overall, including uh, the Pick'em games uh, and uh, accounting for the split uh, split games, 102, 99, and 5. So a winning record, but not a profitable one. As far as the standings go, uh, this which had a little bit under half the number of entries as the Super Contest Classic, uh, the leader, however, performing better than the larger field classic, 49.5 out of a possible 70 points. That's 70.7% compared that to the 66.8, uh, excuse me, to the, um, uh, yeah, 68.6 
in the uh, Super Contest Classic. Overall, there are 11 contestants at 45 or more. The contest plays, pays 10 places, so those 11 contestants at 45 or more uh, points are hitting 64.3% or better, which seems to be about normal for what it would take to cash in one of these contests. Finally, the Golden Nugget Contest, the one contest that uh, combines college and pros, and of course it'll be a challenge for those college football experts this week uh, because there's only the Army-Navy game. Uh, to choose as far as a college selection goes. It was a more limited field. There was, there was equally a limited field last week with just the 10 college conference games, but those were attractive games because each one of those games had significant importance. Army-Navy game important in a different manner, but certainly it'll pose a challenge to those who concentrate on college football this week as basically the entire menu, but for that one game, uh, consists of NFL contests. Sides only for both college and pros in the Golden Nugget contest. The leader has a record of 64, 31, and 3. That's 65 and a half out of a possible 98 points, 66.8%. Overall, there are 15 contestants within five uh, points uh, of the leader in this contest, uh, including uh, two that are at 60 and a half, which would be uh, the final two in this group of 15 uh, that uh, uh, make up the Golden Nugget field. I think I, I don't remember the exact number this year. I, I don't want to. It was, it was in in the low 300s. The contest has grown uh, the past couple of years in its uh, in its current format. So with that, I uh, uh, following uh, the folks in Washington, I yield my time back to the uh, chairman. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's what it may be. <laughs> Your, the clock, I guess, was running out on those comments, Andy, so I'm glad you yielded back to us. <laughs> but the bottom line is this. Let me ask you this question. You, uh, as you alluded to about the super, uh, the super contest and both of the percentages being down this year, both in the classic and the gold, what can you attribute that to this year? Is it overall the fact that uh, – Vegas has done a good job. The odds makers have handicapping the games, or as far as the handicaps themselves go, uh, it hasn't gone the public's way. What would you think that that's the reason these uh, win percentages are down this year in both contests? Yeah, it's really hard to say. I would say overall the results of the consensus for all the games uh, being a bit worse than in previous years uh, may due to the fact that there's less sophisticated money in the field. As the field grows, there are more and more first-timers. There are more and more novices that get in. And so when the field expanded to 3,300 this year in the Super Contest Classic, uh, it would tend to weaken the overall results on the basis of the majority of the newcomers perhaps not having the experience that that a lot of the repeat uh, contestants have. But as far as the top of the contest goes, that's more related to uh, just the overall handicapping results and how the NFL is playing out. I haven't noticed anything significant that would cause me to think that, gee, it's been a really bad year for favorites or a really bad year for underdogs, although there have been weeks that have met those definitions. But overall, I think it's just a matter that we're seeing more and more of these teams showing inconsistent play uh, from week to week. I think we've also noticed uh, there is a different range of points, whereas I haven't looked uh, run all the numbers through, but it seems as though there have been quite a number of double-digit favorites, but there's also been a lot of uh, or, or a lot of lower-priced favorites that are in that uh, uh, say two and a half to four and a half point range, and fewer in that middle range of say uh, five to seven and a half, five to seven or eight. It 
appears to me that that may also be part of the reason why some of those games that uh, the uh, uh, that the leaders in the contest were correct in identifying in past years uh, may not be coming through this year, or it just could be a one-year aberration. And we'll see what happens over the final three weeks. You know, if a re- if uh, the leader has a record of say uh, twelve and three, thirteen and two over the final three weeks, that percentage uh, will well get up there uh, at seventy percent or above. At the same time, uh, it might be next year when we see a rebound back to uh, consistent uh, uh, winning results in the low to mid seventies, especially as the field does increase, which just means that there's a greater opportunity for random occurrences or outliers to uh, uh, to uh, take uh, take the take the lead. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas as we get the Vegas vibe heading into this week on the NFL and college football side of things. Andy, with it, if you would, I know our listeners would like to know what major line moves, if any, you've seen in Vegas this week, and perhaps a look at the advance lines for next week's NFL football games. Yeah, not a, a, a tremendous amount of movement in most of these lines from last week. I will point out one of interest. In fact, it involves the game that you were just discussing in the NFL segment between the Green Bay Packers and Chicago Bears. The uh, advanced line posted uh, uh, Tuesday of last week had the Packers a seven-point home favorite over the Chicago Bears. Of course, we all knew that the Bears would be rested coming off of Thursday night's game uh, regardless of the result. However, they won that game as a home underdog against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Packers uh, were a bit listless in their 20-15 to non-covering as double-digit favorite uh, home favorite in that game against uh, Washington. So when that game came back up on the board Sunday afternoon, uh, it was reposted at 5 and a half a point and a half difference from the uh, line of seven, and it's been bet down further to four and a half. So that's a significant reaction to the results of uh, of just last week. Uh, looking at uh, some of the other games, uh, we saw the New England Patriots go from a ten and a half point road favorite at Cincinnati, um, following their uh, loss to Kansas City. They're back up at nine and a half points, so that that's gotten under a key number of ten. Uh, the Houston Tennessee game had been two and a half. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, the home team now favored by three. So that's an adjustment because it goes from off a key number to on the most uh, uh, key number as far as uh, the NFL is concerned. Seattle uh, was a bit of an interesting game as well. That was a uh, four and a half point uh, uh, game uh, line before last week's play. It had actually been bet up to uh, five and a half and came back down, but it's been back uh, bet up to uh, uh, to a six-point favorite. Uh, the Kansas City Chief game is, is one that's worth discussing uh, because of uh, the play of the Denver Broncos, who shocked Houston last week. Uh, Kansas City was a 12-and-a-half-point favorite when this line was posted before last week's action. Uh, then after Denver won and Kansas City won in New England, but Patrick Mahomes, quarterback of Kansas City, uh, suffered a thumb injury in that game, and his status is right now probable it had been questionable and there's some thought because of the fact that Kansas City clinched the AFC West title with that win at New England that uh, not that they're going to shut Mahomes down but they may have a more limited game plan for him so this line is down to uh, Kansas City a nine and a half point home favorite once again uh, crossing over that uh, uh, that number of 10. Uh, the game between Buffalo and uh, Pittsburgh Buffalo had been 
a one-point road favorite in uh, the uh, what's now the Sunday night game at Pittsburgh this weekend. Uh, after their competitive loss at, uh, uh, at, at home to Baltimore and Pittsburgh winning on the road and covering a small favorite at Arizona, this line has come back up to where Pittsburgh is now a two-point uh, home favorite in uh, that game. Oakland playing the final game at uh, – uh, at, as a home team in Oakland against Jacksonville. We thought it was going to be last year at the end of the season against Denver. Uh, Oakland came through with a nice performance there, but the uh, leasing situation for this year, uh, which uh, worked out after uh, the uh, season ended last year, uh, Oakland last week was a four-point favorite over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, Jacksonville, another Maladin performance this week, losing 45-10 to 10 at home to the Chargers. The uh, Oakland Raiders, six-and-a-half-point home favorites, and they actually have gone up to seven in some places. It seems to be bouncing back and forth between uh, six and a half and uh, seven. Uh, the uh, other game of interest, uh, the game between the Rams and the Cowboys. The Cowboys now riding their second three-game losing streak of the season. They were three and a half point home favorites over the Rams. Rams tried uh, this past Sunday night to show that their win previously over Arizona was no fluke. and They had a very impressive win over uh, Seattle uh, uh, Sunday night. Meanwhile, as I mentioned, Dallas, a three-game losing streak. That was the loss at Chicago. So the Cowboys, who had been three-and-a-half-point home favorites in uh, the look-ahead uh, line that was posted and uh, able to be bet upon, now a one-point home dog, as almost everywhere the line is now up to one. A couple of places where the game is still picked, but I would imagine we'll see the Rams go off as one-and-a-half to two-point favorites uh, if uh, nothing else uh, happens this week. Uh, Minnesota at the Chargers. This game is interesting because, again, a line move off a key number. Vikings were three at the Chargers. They're now two-and-a-half. And the Monday night game between the Indianapolis Colts and the New Orleans Saints. Saints also uh, division winners now. They had actually clinched it a week ago with that Thursday night Thanksgiving win uh, over Atlanta. Uh, Saints uh, uh, up from eight and a half to nine point home favorites. They're playing their final home game of the season. Uh, looking at the look ahead lines for week 16, the penultimate week of the 2019 regular season, three games on Saturday. December 21st, uh, the Rams at the 49ers, 49ers six and a half point home favorites, Buffalo at New England, Patriots at home favored by six and a half, and the Houston Texans at Tampa Bay in an interconference matchup, and Houston a one point road favorite. Sunday, December 22nd, Denver at home favored by six and a half over the Detroit Lions. The Chargers at home against the Raiders. Chargers, six-and-a-half-point home favorites. Atlanta will host Jacksonville. The Falcons, six-and-a-half-point home uh, home favorites. New Orleans will be at Tennessee. Saints, one-and-a-half-point road favorites. Uh, Giants at Washington. Washington, three-point home favorites. Pittsburgh, favored by three on the road at the Jets. Miami, favored at home by three over Cincinnati. Indianapolis, six-and-a-half-point home favorites over Carolina. Baltimore favored by seven on the road in the rematch with Cleveland. Cleveland, the team that beat them 40-25 to in Baltimore way back when. Baltimore, seven-point road favorites in the rematch. Dallas at Philadelphia in the key game that may decide the NFC East. That game right now is a pick'em. Uh, Seattle at home against Arizona. Seattle favored by nine and a half. Kansas City, a four-point road favorite at the Chicago Bears in the Sunday night contest. Monday night, Green Bay at Minnesota. The Vikings, four and a half point home favorites. Andy Isco with a review 
of the line moves in Las Vegas, the advanced lines and what's going on in Las Vegas as well as we head into the final third or the final three games, I should say, of the 2019 NFL football season. And with it, Andy, I'm going to ask you what our listeners out there would love to know, what NFL football game you're looking at for your complimentary play on the show this week. Well, Mark, I'm going to go, I, I think we may be on opposite sides of this game, but I'm going to be looking at the uh, L.A. Rams at the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are as talented a team personnel-wise as any in the league, and yet they've uh, endured, as I mentioned, two three-game losing streaks and have clearly uh, underperformed. Uh, the Rams, meanwhile, started the season as though they were suffering from the uh, fabled Super Bowl hangover, having lost to New England in the Super Bowl last February. It took about two months or so for things to uh, uh, turn around. Right now, the Rams are looking on both sides of the football as the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl last season. Uh, Coach Sean McVay came out and admitted that uh, perhaps he had been a bit of an idiot in not using Todd Gurley more than he had. <laughs> I think part of it may have also been delivered because he wanted to save Todd Gurley for for late in the season, uh, so he would not be as banged up as he was last year late in the season. Unfortunately, the wins did not come early in the season, so that strategy may have backfired because the Rams can still make the playoffs as a wild card, but they will need some help. Uh, the Rams, however, have played uh, very well this year. Outside of Los Angeles, they're 5-2 and two straight up, 6-1 and one, uh, against the spread. That, in do that does include the win in, uh, in London against Cincinnati. Dallas, meanwhile, we've heard about their efforts against winning teams this year. Not good at all. 0-6 straight up, 1-5 ATS. This game, while important for Dallas, is not nearly as important as the game next week. Since, Philadelphia, since Dallas already beat Philadelphia in the first meeting, they beat Philadelphia again. Uh, they would either be tied or have a, uh, a possibly a two-game lead. Even if they lose this week, they'd still be up or tied at worst, meaning that that Week 16 game against the Eagles is the game that will most likely decide Dallas's fate. Rams don't guarantee anything with a win here, uh, but they are uh, playing their best football of the season in the games that matter the most. Uh, I like the coaching advantage of, uh, of, of McVay over Jason Garrett. Uh, there have been many times this year where we've expected the Dallas Cowboys to finally play to their potential to end those losing streaks. Maybe it occurs here, but I know based upon what we've seen over the past month or so, I feel more comfortable with a Rams ticket in my pocket than I would with a Cowboys ticket in my pocket. Even though old-style handicapping does suggest it's a good spot for Dallas, they've, in this they've been in this spot before this year, and they failed to deliver. I'm going to look for that to continue and for the Rams to uh, get a step closer to a potential wild card, even though, as I mentioned before, they'll need help over the uh, next two weeks following this week. Andy, I completely understand where you're going with the Rams. My question to you is, am I an old style or just a flat-out old handicapper <laughs> when it comes well, to... I, uh, know, I I used old style, and it probably should have been like a classic style of handicapping. There but I'm we not go. Into, I'm, not, I'm not really into political correctness. I'm, I'm believe, I believe more in being blunt and, and telling it <laughs> like it is. But actually, it's not, I shouldn't, maybe instead of old style, old school handicapping is probably the phrase that would be more appropriate. And I'm actually in that, uh, in that mold as well. But we're seeing a totally different type of, lines, of line being set these days. The analytics have come more into play as far as teams determining what they're going to do, how the public reacts. There's so much more information out here. The lines making back in, uh, let's say, 20, 30 years ago was an imprecise 
science. It was more of an art. The art was in the making of the line. Today, the art is interpreting the line. And unfortunately, a lot of the things that used to work don't work nearly as well uh, as they do right now. Because uh, I would have I loved to have been on the Dallas Cowboys this week. And then I take a look back at the other situations this year or at other situations this year where that type of handicapping would have had me on a certain side, looked really, really good. And the results did not uh, come come about as they had in past using that. So uh, I think we've all had to modify and change a little bit to what extent will vary. And depending upon the type of matchup will also dictate uh, whether the game involves more art or science. Because I've maintained, Mark, for many years, handicapping is both an art and a science. Years ago, the end point was coming up with accurate power ratings. Today, power ratings are so widespread it's the starting point, and it's the interpretation of those power ratings, or what I call the artistic part of handicapping, that seems to predominate. I like that thought, Andy, about power ratings being the starting point rather than the end point. And just for the sake of the record, I was just pulling your chain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, nonetheless- I, I, I- I totally agree. We are we are definitely in the same uh, uh, generation. So if uh, if it sounds like I'm putting you down, I'm putting myself down too. I, I yeah, I'm with you 100 percent on that, pal. <laughs> but Andy Isco, we're going to put him down for the L.A. Rams, the red hot L.A. Rams, as they take on the cold Dallas Cowboys this weekend for his complimentary play on the show this week. Andy, as always, a great job on the show, and I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. And we'll look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thanks, Mark. Let's all have a, uh, a great weekend and a great uh, deal of uh, fun analyzing and preparing for the College Bowls. We will do that. Thank you very much, Andy. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, I'll share with you our awesome angle of the week, along with Victor and my complimentary plays. We'll be back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sportsbook online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's my bookie as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag. sign up today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his awesome angle of the week All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the NFL side of things this week. We call it directly from our playbook football newsletter, our awesome angle, four score and seven times five. And what we're looking to do is to play against any 500 or greater NFL team in the regular season that's coming off four straight up and ATS wins exact if they scored 35 or more points in their last game and they're taking on a 444 or greater division opponent. What we're looking to do is fade these teams because these teams have gone just 2-13 and 13 against the spread in this role. That becomes an 87% play-against situation. We'll be playing against the Tennessee Titans when they play host to Houston for our awesome angle play on the NFL card this week. 
And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap. And I know he's got a big game on tap this week with his 10-star NFL over-under play of the year. Victor, if you would, let our listeners know about that and the totals chip sheet plus your complimentary play. Sure can. You know, the number one most asked question we get in regards to our podcast via email or voicemail is, hey, is your tuco that you talk about as far as the total tip sheet the same tuco that's in the contest, the Andy segment? And the short answer is no. There's a little bit of irony involved, but no. Our tuco is a seven-month-old puppy that we introduced to our house that we also introduced to our totals tip sheet newsletter this season, and he's done a very fine job. The Tuco that Andy talks about is an individual or a group of people that are, of course, currently winning the Westgate Super Contest. I'll point this out, though. There's a little bit of uh, irony involved. Our Tuco in the total tip sheet is 10-4 and four this season at 71%. The other Tuco, the one winning the Super Contest, is at 68.6%, according to Andy. So our Tuco has done even better than the Tuco in the Super Contest. Again, they're not related. There's a little humor involved. Regardless, I think you would probably say the most said word this season in the podcast has been Tuco, whether it's Andy talking about Tuco in the Super Contest or our Tuco in the Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. And that's where we're going this week. Our boy Tuco was on uh, Tennessee over 25 points last week on the road against the Oakland Raiders. They scored six offensive touchdowns. Another winner for our Tuco. And he's slipping the script this week and going Houston Texans over their team total of 23 and a half. And they uh, will be playing the Tennessee Titans this week. So our newest canine is going for the Titans opponent to score over their team total. Again, Houston over 23 and a half points. Of course, the Texans are a top 10 offense. They're actually done better on the road than at home this season. They have a very good red zone TD percentage. That means when they get inside the 20 yard line, they have a much better chance of getting a touchdown than a field goal. That's always good for, when you're playing over somebody's team total. And to top it off, you know, Tennessee has one of the worst defensive red zone TD percentages in the league. Mark, you mentioned it earlier. They've allowed season-high yards on defense of two of their last four games. So that's a team that's ripe to score some points against, which is why Houston's going, uh, Tuco's going over Houston 23.5 points. In addition, we note that Houston is A, averaging 26.5 points per game in their last nine games. B, they've averaged 39 points per game in the last two seasons when playing off a home loss, like they did last week when they lost to Denver. And C, they're averaging 29.4 points per game in the last 10 meetings of this Texans-Titans series. And here you go. Here is the clincher. Since October, NFL pissed off teams off a straight-up home favorite loss of 14 or more points, like the Texans have averaged 27.8 points per game in their next game. There you have it. Our free play of the week is Tuco playing the Houston Texans over 23.5 points. And as you mentioned, yeah, we got a good one going this week. 
Uh, we'll point out that our five-star NFL game of the month cashed in December, it cashed in November, it cashed in October. And if you joined us last year for our 10-star NFL game of the year, that was a winner in Week 16 with Seattle and Kansas City over the total. So uh, we're hoping for all good things again this week. Our 10-star NFL game of the year is a totals play. We'll be going over the total in one of the early kickoff games on Sunday, and it's already up at the playbook.com website. So check it out. Join us. We're going to go over 23.5 points for Houston. And as I understand it, Mark's got a big one in the NFL this week, too. I do, Victor, myself as well. I'll be sharing that with our listeners here in just a moment here. And let me say this. I knew, first of all, that Tuco was not the Tuco that we know on the show that's the contestant in Las Vegas for one simple reason. Inside information. That inside information was Tuco was only seven months old. You you have to be 21 to be a, a contestant in the Las Vegas Superbook Contest. So Tuco was not old enough eligibility-wise from an age standpoint. So that was a separator, the differentiator between Tuco in the Victor's totals tip sheet and Tuco in Las Vegas. Also, noting that Victor's 10-star game of the year goes this weekend, the big game runs that Victor's been on this year have been fantastic. And in fact, we often refer to Mike Zimmer from the Minnesota Vikings as being an ATM machine. Well, it's been the King Creole totals team. That's been an ATM machine this year. Be sure to get down on his 10 star total play of the year this Sunday at playbook.com. And as I mentioned, my NFL game of the month goes this week and it's part of a $49 fan appreciation week of winners. You can check it out all online at playbook.com or give me a call toll-free. The number is 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the show this week in the NFL is going to be the Washington Redskins taking the points against Philadelphia, an Eagles football team that is almost completely thrown in the towel. I realize they're in the running in the NFC East, but they cannot do anything about it. This is a football team that is 1-3 straight up and in the stats their last four football games since the bye week. They're also 2-5 and five to the spread as favorites this year. They have the Dallas Cowboys on deck next week. The Washington Redskins have come alive under Dwayne Haskins of late. They've won two of their last three football games and cashed in all three of those contests, playing with revenge from a bitter season-opening loss against the Eagles when they blew a big lead. We'll play the Washington Redskins plus the points for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco from the TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas for joining us, and for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>